All right, honey, before we begin, is there anything off limits you don't want to talk about and share with thousands of people? (laughs) I want to say no, but uh, we'll see how it goes. All right, let's do this. Living a healthy, balanced life as a mom can sometimes feel impossible. With tiny mouths to feed, butts to wipe, and so many things vying for our attention, it can be easy to feel like we're in an on-again, off-again relationship with healthy living. But it doesn't have to feel this way. I believe every mom is a super mom, and you deserve to feel like one too, and you don't have to go on another diet to do it. Join me, Kristen Dovniak, holistic nutritionist and certified intuitive eating counselor for conversations on what it means to live a healthy, balanced life. I want to help you uncomplicate eating, improve your relationship with food, and live like the supermama I know you are. Hey friends, welcome back to the Healthy Balance Mama podcast. I'm Kristen Dovniak, holistic health coach, certified intuitive eating counselor, and your host of the podcast. Today I have an extra special repeat guest on with me that doesn't require very much of an introduction. Today I have my husband, Nick Dovniak, on with me for our second episode together. I dragged him in. (laughs) Okay, I didn't drag him. I did ask him very nicely if he would come back on the podcast and talk about some big topics with me. My husband is pretty private. He doesn't spend a lot of time on social media, at least not out front. He will browse social media a little bit here and there, but he tends to spend a lot more of his time either interacting in person, um, or just, you know, being by himself and with us, with the family. So it's a pretty big deal to have him come on the podcast and share with all of you guys. But I got a really interesting question, and I'll I'll share the whole question with you as we dig into the episode um, from a listener on Instagram when I did a call out for questions. And I thought it was something that I would prefer to have him on and kind of share our whole story and our perspective together about that. And I also asked for some additional questions as well. So this interview, I guess, this Q&A runs the gamut from talking about family planning and whether or not we always knew we wanted to have two kids. We will answer the question, are we planning on having more kids? We talk about hormonal birth control. Um, Actually, both of us have an opinion on hormonal birth control, which is interesting. So we both talk about that. We talked a little bit about body image during pregnancy and supporting your partner when it comes to body image during pregnancy. And then we answered a couple of really fun questions as well, kind of get to know you questions, kind of, you know, couple specific questions. We even talk about the Enneagram, which is one of my favorite topics to talk about. So I think this is both an informative and an entertaining episode. So I hope you enjoy this little conversation between Nick and myself. Just as a quick side note as well, I forgot to mention, we recorded this episode on May 12th, 2020. So this episode isn't going to air for a couple months just due to timing when it comes to other podcast episodes and things I have going on in my business. I was hoping to air it a little bit earlier. So we do mention a little bit of what's going on with coronavirus, quarantine. We're kind of at the tail end of that. So just in case you're wondering, we are not, hopefully not still completely locked up in you know, July or whenever this ends up coming out. Uh, But I just wanted to mention that before we jump in. Hey, honey, welcome back to the Healthy Balance Mama podcast. Are you excited? 
Always. Nervous? Always? That's not true. <laughs> oh, to be on the podcast. <laughs> okay. We've got some pretty good questions today. Um, I had actually planned on it being a little while before we both came on the podcast again, but I asked for a call for questions, and the questions I got asked I thought would be really good for us to answer together. So I'm excited to share about this, and I think a little nervous myself. (laughs) Um, So how about you just take a second and introduce yourself? So in case listeners didn't hear our last episode, it was episode number 74, and we'll link it in the show notes. It was another bonus episode, and we basically just talked about our journey as a couple through intuitive eating, my intuitive eating journey, and actually a little bit of what intuitive eating looks like for you, too, and how we kind of navigated finding freedom with food together. So like I said, today we've got some pretty pretty good questions on a completely different topic, so go ahead and introduce yourself, and we'll jump in. So I'm Nick. Um, I'm Kristen's husband. <laughs> father of two wonderful energetic little girls and i run a project management company called open ocean management awesome all right so typically i start with an icebreaker but it doesn't we don't really need too much ice breaking. I already know what you drink first thing in the morning. So I thought we'd do something fun and different. We have this set of We Connect cards here. This is not sponsored. I just really love these are a really cool kind of they can be used as team building or relationship building cards. Typically you do them with like the activity that's on one side of the card, but we're not going to jump up for them. I thought we'd just each choose a card and answer it real quick before we jump in. Sounds good. All right, which one do you want? Blue, green, or purple? Do you remember the different I don't levels? What they are. Uh, let's go purple. Going for it. What is the most adventurous thing you've ever done? I think looking at it, probably my first like offshore sailboat race was probably pretty adventurous because I had no idea what I was getting myself into. It was kind of like I think I was 17 at the time. I was like, yeah, you're going to go hop on this, you know, 40 foot boat with eight other people and go sailing for, you know, 50 hours. And nobody mentioned that there would be, you know, line squalls and storms and you wouldn't sleep and you, the food wouldn't be that great. But it was like this crazy adventure that went on. I had no idea. So, um, and since then I've done, you know, dozens more. So, um, but yeah, that would probably be my most adventurous thing. That's pretty cool. I'm trying to think of what my most adventurous thing is. I've done a lot of solo traveling, and I think anytime I travel solo, it feels like a little bit of an adventure. I've never, yeah, I've never been hesitant about traveling solo, which is thankfully not to my detriment, but I can't think of anything specific. Can you think of something adventurous I've done that I can't remember? Having kids. Oh, yeah, that's that's quite the adventure. And we're going to talk about that today more. <laughs> okay, so I'll choose I'll choose a purple too. Why not? What is difficult for you now, but was easy as a child? Hmm, difficult for me now. That's hard. I feel like I've overcome a lot of things in... My life and a lot of things are easier for me now. Hmm, singing in public. 
I think that's, and I definitely don't have the voice that I had when I was a kid, but I had no problem singing in public when I was a child. And that's one of those I would love to get back to singing, but I mean, I have to regain my ability. (laughs) But it felt easy when I was doing theater and when I was a kid, and I think it's harder now. I think as an adult, you have this fear of judgment that you might not have as a kid. So those, those were cool questions, though. We could probably do a whole episode just answering We Connect cards. I don't know if anyone would listen, but <laughs> all right, let's dig into the meat of things. So I was thinking we'd start with an easy question, which, okay, I'll admit, it's not that easy. And I haven't even thought much about it, so it'll be interesting. And then we will dig into some of the meatier questions, and then we'll end on a slightly lighter one. Does that sound good? Can I just mention that I've not seen these questions yet? There's, I've had no time to prep nothing this is a hundred percent off the cuff answers okay so i did though i mentioned the topics and i made sure that you were okay with talking about the topics so there is that all right so this first question is really good so what is your favorite quality in each other as a parent and a husband or wife like for each other yeah what's my favorite of you yeah what's your favorite quality I think you're very good at getting the most out of people. So like encouraging our kids to do better, like to do things they didn't think they could do. Um, and, you know, same thing with me, like encouraging me to get better and improve myself and to be a better parent, husband, um, pretty much everywhere in my life. I think, yeah, you're a good motivator. And, um yeah, that's probably what my answer would be. Hmm. Thank you. I think um, it's funny. We're in a really stressful time right now with this whole, we're kind of at the tail end of the, at least the first phase of all of this COVID stuff going on. And we've been quarantined, you know, we're semi-quarantined for like eight weeks now. And so I think the stress has gotten to both of us and just, I think, us as a society. But... I think you've always had a you've always done a pretty good job and part of it's your personality which I'm sure we'll talk about more later because there's a question at the end that talks a little bit about our personality but I think you're really good at bringing me and the kids kind of like down a notch most of the time (laughs) you are definitely way more chill and grounded and like you said in the beginning we have two very energetic very spunky little girls and I am very passionate um and you're passionate too about what you do and your work and all that but I think I am a lot higher energy just naturally and you're just kind of like the chill and the calm and you're pretty good at kind of bringing me back to reality We have different ways of expressing our passions. Yeah, I think that's probably true. (laughs) Oh, those were good. And I think that goes for you, yeah, as a parent and as a husband. So here's here's the bigger question. This is the the first question I got in um, this kind of series of questions. This is sort of three in one. And what this listener wanted to know was, she said, I'd love to know more about your family planning slash plans slash previous thoughts on growing your family. Did you always want two kids? Would you ever like more? And what are your thoughts on hormonal birth control, especially in relation to balancing our hormones as women? So clearly that's the one that you're going to answer. <laughs> but uh, 
let's kind of answer these one by one. So, I mean, I guess we can start. I think we talked about this a little bit in the last episode. We kind of shared our story a little bit, but I think briefly sharing our story as a couple and how we decided to have kids. Do you want to kick it off or do you want me to start? Uh, I can start. So when we met and got married, we were still very, not super young, but pretty young still. And so yeah, we I just were, turned 21. We were still kind of in that phase of we don't want kids, we don't want kids, we don't want kids. Now, for those of you who want kids and want to be parents at the age of 20, bless you. <laughs> I, but we weren't, you know, that wasn't us. That wasn't the stage of life that we were in. So we kind of grew together into what our family would look like. So we didn't, you know, we didn't. I, I know a bunch of my older friends, when they met, when they were older, it was kind of like they had a very good idea of what they wanted their family to look like and were ready to just jump on that um, as soon as possible, whereas we kind of grew into that um, just because of the life stage that we were at. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, totally. No, I'm nodding along with you over here because I remember... So, you know, it's growing up, I've told my story here in terms of my journey with food and the eating disorder I had in high school and having a doctor tell me that I might not be able to have kids and kind of blowing it off because I didn't think that I wanted to have kids. And we'll definitely share my birth story with both of my kids at some point in the future because they're fascinatingly different. Um, But I wasn't sure that I wanted kids and I was really terrified of the childbirth process. I'm not sure what in me made me so scared of it, but when I was, you know, at high school, college age, I didn't think I wanted to have biological children. I had in my mind for a long time that I might want to adopt, but I didn't think I wanted biological children. So I remember asking you kind of not early on in our relationship, but our relationship moved pretty fast. We were dating for less than a year and a, we were dating for like a year and a half when we got engaged and it was less than two years when we got married at the age of 21 and 23 so I remember asking you and you're like I don't know like maybe one or two and I started to panic because I was like I don't want any kids and I remember being real do you remember this yeah. when I was like what if I don't want kids and you're like that's fine and so now here we are with two kids <laughs> and I think you're right we we kind of we went through a lot in the early couple, the first couple of years of our marriage. We were really young and we didn't have the same solid foundation in our relationship that we do now um, with our faith. And just, I don't know, we both came from really different backgrounds in terms of marriage and relationships. And so once we finally kind of came to a place where we thought, okay, I think things are going all right maybe it would be time to start a family. We were about, what, three years in to our marriage? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And interestingly, I was already on a journey at that point of health and healing my hormones. I had um, kind of right at that point, I had been through a couple years of really, really significant healing when it came to my gut health issues, which I had for a number of years, and my hormones. So I'll talk, I'll speak a little bit on hormonal birth control in a little bit. 
But I had been on the pill for like five-ish years. I went on it in high school uh, because I had an eating disorder and I didn't have a cycle. And that was sort of what the doctor put me on to bring my cycle back, even though it wasn't a true cycle. That's sort of what she deemed necessary for my hormonal health. And so I was kind of, I was on that. But at that point, I had come off of it off of the recommendation of my, I think my naturopath had recommended that I go off of it just to see where my hormones were. And it actually ended up revealing some really deep hormonal issues that I had had for a number of years. And I thought when we first decided that we were going to try for kids that I might not be able to have kids because of what the doctor told me in late, I guess, early college during my eating disorder and then working with a naturopath, my hormones, it took like over a year for my cycle to come back and my hormone levels were just all over the place. And it was still years after this that I ended up really getting my PCOS diagnosis and figuring things out in that way. But we weren't even sure if it was gonna work at that point we weren't even sure if we'd be able to have kids even though we were at the point where we're like okay I think we're ready but at that point we were still all right if it works if I get pregnant we're just gonna have one right and can I just point out like the way when you say that you were terrified of the childbirthing process that the until you actually dig into it, the way that this is portrayed to you as, at least from my experience in the in the media and everything you see, is that childbirth will be the single most worst experience of your life. <laughs> um, every movie, TV show, everything, like health class that you video that you're shown all you see is mostly like this waiting this room with like screaming coming from it and like a woman (laughs) screaming in pain the whole time and you know memes online when you go and it's like i survived childbirth i can survive this like and oh mothers are so strong because they survived childbirth you're like why would you do this to yourself? And it isn't until you start really digging into it and getting deep into the process where you start running into doulas and midwives and practitioners who are like, no, 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 it's okay. You can do this. It's not that bad. We'll figure it out. So I completely understand anybody, you know, especially as the husband who's like, my wife is going to do what? (laughs) Even when you watch the TV shows, they're like, oh, yeah, we're having a C-section, scheduling a C-section, because there's no way I'm putting my body through that. Mm. And so I think that's one thing that really surprised me is that you are not, like, we do not do a good job of doing the process justice. And I think it's something we've done just to try and scare people out of at a young age. Mm-hmm. and obviously you should probably not be trying to have children at a very young age but i think just fear-mongering that this is going to be the worst experience of your life definitely sets up some women for it to be the worst experience of their life mm-hmm. yeah it took me a long time to kind of get over that that hump that fear and uh so We decided at the point where I was doing some really deep healing with my hormones and my naturopath kind of gave us the blessing to 
start not not trying. (laughs) And all of a sudden, I started feeling funny one day and I woke up in the morning feeling. So this was like a month into not not trying. (laughs) And I woke up in the morning feeling like kind of nauseous and kind of funny. But at this point, I mean, it had been, I think I had taken like six or seven pregnancy tests already. I was like so nervous that I would just magically get pregnant, even though in the back of my head, I thought that I might not ever, and it wouldn't, it wouldn't have been magical, but I was so sure that it could happen. And I was so shocked when that morning I took the pregnancy test and it was actually positive. (laughs) The night before we had gone to a birthday party for one of Nick's friends and I think it was that day that I woke up like just feeling off. I felt different. I felt weird and I wasn't sure what it was and I didn't take a pregnancy test that day and I remember it like I think I was feeling dizzy or I was just feeling a little bit off that night and I told you that I was nervous. I'm like what if I'm pregnant and so I only had half of a beer at this party we went to and the next morning I took this test and I was pregnant and I freaked out and I I emailed my midwife, um, not my midwife, I didn't have a midwife at the time, my naturopath that I was working with on my hormones. And she was so sweet. She emailed me back immediately. She's like, the baby's okay. You're going to be okay. Like, I was so worried that I had this half of a beer and I was going to, and I was going to somehow kill my baby. But thankfully, sweet Sage is okay. We are very grateful that she made it through that half of a beer and the whole pregnancy. <laughs> So we uh, we ended up almost unexpectedly. I mean, we were in the phase where we knew that we were ready to start trying, but it was very it was quicker than I think both of us expected. Especially after all of this healing I had done with my hormones and being told for so many years that I might not be able to have kids because of you know how long I had gone without a cycle, and we got pregnant pretty quickly. So, but then, um, you know, I'll go much deeper into my birth story in the future, but I had a really, really difficult pregnancy and a pretty difficult birth. And to be honest, it was pretty much as bad as I had imagined. I didn't get to the point of a C-section, thankfully, because that was kind of my biggest fear was that I would end up in surgery. It came close, though. Um, It was a pretty traumatic birth experience at a really difficult pregnancy. So do you want to let the cat in or out? Because he, I, I feed him and lock him in the girl's room. Bye. No, he won't just eat because he'll eat and then meow again.
So the kids are at grandma's, but our 15-pound Black Panther wanted to come in the room and join the party. Our third child. Um, So I had a really difficult birth experience. It was pretty traumatic. Um, And I had some minor complications kind of post-birth as well. Um, I had some tearing and I had a really, really difficult recovery from that. And that was really unexpected kind of to go into pregnancy and childbirth, having this idea in your head that, okay, I'm finally going into this. I'm going to do this. It's going to be good. Women have been doing this for thousands of years. I'm going to be okay. We hired a midwife and a doula, and then we ended up with this crazy birth experience, which thankfully resulted in one really beautiful, tiny, but healthy baby. And then to come out of it, um, going through recovery kind of exactly how I thought I was supposed to. I thought I was doing all the right things, you know, that weird squeezy bottle and all of the salves and the baths and all of those things. And I still ended up really um, with a lot of pain and a lot of, I just, I really honestly felt like my body wasn't mine for a really long time for without getting too graphic <laughs> things did not work the way they did before and I was really surprised so many women told me that my body would go back to being you know it would never be the same again but especially you know with your first pregnancy it wasn't like I had six kids and things felt different it was it was difficult and so with the pregnancy and the birth and the postpartum experience kind of all combined and the fact that we live a pretty unique life where I you know I'm an entrepreneur and I have been for a number of years I started my first business when I was 22 and I've always been passionate about what I do and Nick is really passionate about what he does like he said he's a sailor and now he owns his own company but he was working for a corporation for a long time and he travels quite a bit it felt like a lot to have more than one kid and to still maintain a decent life and a decent relationship. Um, So it was a number of years before we, I think, even started considering. Do you remember when we started considering potentially having two? Yeah, I think Sage was probably... Sage was probably about two and a half, three at the time, because she was starting to talk, like, a lot. And... It was mostly about how she wanted a baby sister. <laughs> she wanted a baby sister. I want a baby sister. I want a baby sister. And we were like, no, 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 no. Like, we can't just give in to the kids' wishes. Um, but, I mean, then we started thinking on it, prayed on it, and decided, you know, maybe we do have room for one more. And it's probably not the most eloquent way to put it, but... <laughs> I mean, it's true, though. I think it really was Sage that got us thinking, okay, maybe maybe she could use a sibling. And we were okay. Sage has a cousin who's only a week older than her, which is such a cool situation and such a blessing that she has a cousin so close to her. And he doesn't live too far away. So we're like, oh, well, she's got Jack, so she doesn't need a sister. But she was really adamant. She would pray for baby sister every night. And we're like, oh my gosh. And even through my pregnancy, and we're like, well, what if it turns out to be a boy? What are we going to do? 
And uh, yeah, so that's really what got us thinking. I think we were pretty one and done for a long time when she was so adamant. And yeah, we, we made the decision beyond just our two and a half year old saying, I want a baby sister. But then going, um, once we decided, all right, we'll try for it. We'll see. I was kind of in a space in my own health once again, where I was doing a lot of healing. I had struggled with chronic fatigue for a number of months and I was kind of coming out of that and I wasn't sure where my hormones were at. I had done some hormone testing and they were decent, but I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to sustain a pregnancy. And I ended up having to go on some bioidentical hormones in order to even maintain the pregnancy once I did become pregnant, but it ended up taking a lot longer than I think I had initially expected as well. I was kind of in this place where I was like, okay, I'm doing all this healing and who knows if I'm going to be able to get pregnant again, but you still have that expectation when the first one basically just happens. I thought that it would be easier to become pregnant with Ren and it was not as easy and it took I think it took seven months because I remember the six month mark just being so upset and going okay well now I have to go to my midwife and because I'm quote-unquote subfertile once you get to the six month mark and this is not at all to downplay the women who go years and years and years without getting pregnant and wanting a baby and struggling through losses and so this is this was just our own experience and kind of my expectations going from one to two I cannot even imagine you know the women who pray and hope so long for babies and it's years and years and sometimes they never end up with biological babies and sometimes they do um so that's not at all to to downplay that but that was kind of my experience where I thought it would happen faster and it took a little over half of a year and then we had Ren. And then what did we decide after we had Ren, honey? <laughs> that two is harder than one. <laughs> and at two, you can still play man defense. And if any of you know anything about football or American football, is that no team wins a Super Bowl playing zone defense. Zone defense is when you kind of create areas that you cover and make sure that you have anybody who comes into your zone, you take care of them. Um, so yeah, being able to match up one-on-one has been difficult enough. Um, and when one of us is traveling or head down doing work and one's stuck with two... I don't know how you people with like four or five kids do it. I, I just in awe and I'm in awe of your heart and your patience and your abilities because just trying to manage two by yourself where you're outnumbered is hard enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think coming from the place where we weren't sure if we even wanted one and then we're like, okay, we can do two three was really really hard to fathom so we you know as of now are very much done um we're open to you know if we decide if we have the desire later on to potentially adopt that was something that was really on my heart for a long time just as even before I got into any long-term relationships I had in my head that okay if I never 
if I thought that, you know, if I never find a long-term relationship, if I never get married, then maybe I'll adopt. And I remember I was talking to my mom about this recently, her going, yeah, I remember you were so sure that you were going to adopt on your own, that you would never find a man and you would just, (laughs) you would just adopt a baby from somewhere around the world. I've always wanted to do kind of missions type work and I haven't been able to do that yet, but my hope is that we'll be able to take the girls and do that when they're a little bit older. And who knows, maybe, maybe we'll adopt, maybe we'll have a third baby in the future but certainly not anytime soon just uh we want to kind of give our girls the most attention that we can both uh being entrepreneurs and running our businesses and maintaining a home and a marriage (laughs) so that's kind of a where we're at now So uh, the question of birth control and hormonal birth control, and I know that this can be a sensitive topic, and I kind of touched on it a little bit before, and I will touch on this as someone who has quite a bit of knowledge and experience on hormones and hormonal balance from my own experience and my training, but not a doctor, not a midwife, um, not an expert in that way. But my personal opinion is I think that every woman's decision is uniquely her own and I support every woman in the decision that's right for them in terms of hormonal birth control or non-hormonal birth control. Um, I also believe that every woman has a right to be educated on the potential implications of hormonal birth control on her health status, things like nutrient deficiencies. This was something that I was not given as a teenager when I was handed the pill and told that it was going to fix my cycle and I didn't realize that it could have implications on my nutrition and my health later on and thankfully I was able to heal from that but and I'm not saying that like the birth control caused my problems I had underlying hormonal issues going on but For me personally, it masked some of these underlying hormonal conditions that I I wasn't able to kind of work on on my own with lifestyle changes and just because I was put on it so young. And I think that it's important that a woman have an understanding of her own body and her cycle before just blindly going on it. But and I see it just kind of given as a blanket cure all for a lot of, you know, in quotations as for a lot of health conditions that are actually indicators of a larger problem that might be going on and that might need to be addressed. And it's not fixing the problem. It's just kind of being used as a Band-Aid. And then once the hormonal birth control, whatever you choose, is taken away, then those problems come back and it can be really overwhelming, especially if the woman's like, all right, I'm ready to start a family and she goes off of it and there's all of these underlying things that she's never worked on. But at the same time, I think that if a woman is choosing to use them for their intended purpose and that's her prerogative and she has an understanding of her body and her cycle and she knows that, you know, there could be implications or maybe not. Maybe she has a healthy cycle and she's like, no, I just want to prevent pregnancy. This is where I am in my life. They do the job. And they do it really well, and they're proven to do it well. And like I said, for me, I went on it as a teenager because I hadn't gotten a period in a number of years due to my eating disorder. I admitted fully that I lied to my doctor and told her it had only been a few months, and it had actually been a few years. And she thought that, you know, I needed it to to have my cycle come back. And it did come back, but what ended up happening was that it ended up masking my PCOS and some underlying hormonal conditions that thankfully I was able to kind of work on after. So I am big on just 
I think women's education when it comes to hormonal birth control and that, you know, it can take time for the cycle to return afterwards and that it could have implications on both your health and hormones. But that's something you talk to your doctor about and hopefully your doctor's educated. Um, Talking to a female doctor like a gynecologist instead of your GP I think would be really helpful and talking to or talking to a midwife or just a hormone expert on that I think is really important. So I think that there needs to be more education around it. But at the same time, I also believe that it's every woman's choice. I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with them I think that we need to have that choice um so that's kind of that's my own I think that's my own opinion when it comes down to it um I don't think it's bad per se if it's used for its intended purpose but I think that there does need to be more education surrounding it um I wish I had had the opportunity to learn more about my cycle before I went on it because I was on it for like six plus years and then you know I struggled for a while to rebalance my hormones and there are other options out there as well so for us as a family I went off of birth control like I said when I was kind of working on my digestive issues and my naturopath suggested it and my doctor was supportive she was just like well you might get pregnant and I'm like oh I know so I'm trying to think like at that time I'm pretty sure I was just tracking my cycle at that point, when we were in Toronto? We were using some other methods as well. Okay. We were using, we were using like like barriers. Barrier methods. Okay. Yeah, in Toronto, I guess we were. And I learned a lot. I read um, Taking Charge of Your Fertility, which is a fabulous book that I think should be required reading for every woman. (laughs) It's a really good book that kind of teaches you the ins and outs of your cycle and things that I had never known, things that health class doesn't teach you and I didn't learn in nutrition school. And I'm really thankful that I took the time to read this very meaty book about my hormones and get to learn about my cycle and learn that there's four phases of my cycle. I have a really fantastic podcast episode with the ladies from Zesty Ginger talking about the different phases in your cycle. And I actually went on their podcast and talked to them about my PCOS and my hormonal imbalances. And so I'll link both of those in the show notes as well. If you want to know a little bit more about my story and get connected with them, they are a really great resource for learning how to, um, balance your hormones and your cycles with your life and have them work for you. And they're just, they're incredible ladies. And I'm trying to think of, um, I love Elisa Viti and Dr. Jolene Brighton are two hormone experts that I think are really helpful for education when it comes to hormonal balance and, and those type of female, female issues. Um, and then later on, I think later on we had, I was mostly just tracking my cycle. I used a basal body thermometer and I used an app to track my cycle, knowing that there was potential for me to get pregnant, but also knowing that, you know, we were married and married for a significant number of years. And if it happened, it would be okay. It's, I don't think it would be something that it's definitely more, you know, risky, quote unquote, than something else. But there's also, there's, there's a lot of different options. I chose not to use something like I had considered the IUD and I chose not to use that for several reasons Um, because there is the hormonal and the non-hormonal and just that was kind of my own personal my own personal opinion just because I had heard 
pros and cons in both directions and I couldn't really make a decision on which one was was right for me and so that's kind of where we were at are you comfortable sharing where we're at now sure okay so at this point now we are definitely done having biological children um so we've made the decision to you know to have a more permanent option put in place so at this point we're not really worrying about birth control or hormonal birth control and for me that provides a lot of comfort just knowing that we've made our decision and that you know hey if something happens that is 100% god and all right we are meant to have <laughs> we're meant to have that third biological child and it is what it is and we wouldn't you know it wouldn't be a, the worst thing in the world if we did but we definitely are fairly certain that that's not going to happen and for me that's comforting to know that i don't have to worry about something like hormonal birth control and how hard it was to heal from that and also not have to deal with the, you know, daily tracking and all that. I still track my cycle for the purpose of getting to know my body. And it's really helped me kind of learn a lot about my body and where I am in terms of my PCOS, which I haven't mentioned, but it's polycystic ovary syndrome. It's something that I've kind of put into remission in the last few years. I'm really thankful that I've been able to do a lot of healing with my hormones in that way. And they're in a really great place now, but they weren't for a long time. And so I still track my cycles, but not to the point that I was in the past in terms of doing basal body temperature and all that. But if you're curious in kind of learning how to track your cycles and kind of that natural family planning side of things, um, taking charge of your fertility is really helpful, uh, especially especially when it's used in conjunction with other other methods to make it as effective as possible, depending on where you're at in your family. So that's kind of where I'm at with that. Do you have any more any more comments? I guess. I keep coming back to education and the amount of education that at least in I'm going to say North America as a whole Canada seems to be ahead of the US on health education at least where I grew up and hearing your stories and then reading other stories in the news about what is happening to health education in this country and I don't think it's stressed nearly enough like what the overall health implications are, like how much your hormones really do for your body. You're growing up, you're kind of taught, oh, yeah, you have hormones and your body's going to be changing and all these things happen and, yeah, yeah, move on with your day. Um, and for a lot of us, you know, like for myself, it wasn't that big a deal. And okay, change is going to happen, change happen, move on. But for a lot of people, it's not that simple. And there's also a lot of shame and stigma around it. So I, you know, hashtag me personally, <laughs> um, a lot of, you know, young women, girls that I knew were on birth control without their parents knowing. Mm. Um, it's a little different in Canada, though, too, because you can just go and get it for free, right? Yeah, there's a lot. It's a little bit different. There's a lot of clinics. It's it's available. Um, you're educated more about it, um, but it's there's still kind of that stigma associated with it. Mm -hmm. And for whatever reason that you're getting it, and then at the same time, you're also not. I mean, 
from what I know of other medications, there's usually three or four versions of a certain medicate to accomplish a task from a medical standpoint. So like, mm-hmm. let's say you have high blood pressure. There's probably four or five different combinations of a medication that you can try to try and tackle your blood pressure that are going to give you a different mix of uh, effectiveness and side effects. And you're encouraged to kind of find what works for you. And I, my guess, again, maybe as you're older, you know enough to kind of seek out those alternatives. But I know, again, my guess is for you when you, because I saw this with you, when you went from getting a certain, certain type of birth control to the generic version, there were some major changes in how mm-hmm. they affected you. But you were never really taught how to deal with those changes and hey should i now try something else because this isn't working yeah um you know antidepressants they're really big on these are the side effects if you experience any side effects let's try something else right away and i don't think that same thing goes for hormonal Mm -hmm. um, medications even though they have a huge huge impact on how your body functions Mm -hmm. so yeah, it should absolutely be your choice as a woman. They sh- the option should be there. You should be educated on what they actually are, what they do, what the reason to have them and use them is. Um, and that's something that's lacking a lot. It's either, yeah, yeah, just take these, you'll be fine. Or, oh my God, you're taking them, therefore you are a, insert terrible woman shaming mm-hmm. <laughs> name here. Um, and it, neither of those things are effective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. It's interesting too that you and I can kind of have these conversations on what does it look like? What did it look like growing up in your country? And they're very close, but there are some differences there too. And you know, apologies to any of my old health teachers who are listening, who might be listening. <laughs> I don't think my old health teachers are listening, but I, I don't. I don't think there's a lot of education. Maybe not even for them to to teach on these things. They're so yeah and a lot of people aren't taught to seek out that themselves either so i know what at least one or two of my health teachers were very uncomfortable (laughs) having to teach it like because we did it um combined with physical education yes did we so your gym teacher who did not sign up for this they taught to be like a soccer coach or something like that then they're having to teach this they were like not yeah that's funny not fully prepared for this fresh out of teacher's college <laughs> yeah so that was a. Uh, it's an interesting topic and i know that my opinion is not everyone's opinion and i'm okay with that i'm okay with everyone having their own opinion and making their own personal choices when it comes to anything i mean i really just want my podcast to be an open space to share our experiences and our opinions, our as the collective of the guests and myself that, and, you know, my husband that come on the podcast. Um, But I hope that it gave you some encouragement if you are in the place where you're like, I don't know what to do, that just educate yourself and do what feels right for you and your family. And that's kind of my own personal experience and our own personal experience when it comes to to all of the above. Well, when I think it comes to anything, the more educated you are about the subject the better equipped you are to make the decision that is right for you Mm -hmm. for 
any anything, not just family planning, but yeah. <laughs> Agreed. So switching gears a little bit to pregnancy and when I was pregnant. So like I said, we'll do a whole episode on pregnancy and birth at some point. We'll share my birth stories. I shared a little bit with Jess <laughs> randomly last year on one of the two episodes that we did together back to back. But uh, we'll share a little bit more about that. But when it came to my actual pregnancy, this listener wanted to know if there was anything that you, Nick, did or said that was helpful for me during all of my body changes in my pregnancy. I mean, it's interesting because they were so different. Um, They were hard in different ways. And so like the first pregnancy like with sage there was a bunch of concerns and complications that made it a little bit higher risk um which was always kind of like a stress and it's the first pregnancy you don't really know what's going on you haven't done this before you can read all the books but nothing really prepares you for it and then with the second pregnancy we had the there's a lot of stress up front due to um, your hormonal condition and trying to manage that but it a lot of the other stuff wasn't there, mm-hmm. which made it easier. Um, so, yeah, they were different. But um, encouragement, you just kind of have to stay positive and understand that she probably doesn't mean what she says. Or it's like she's operating at the edges of the bell curve at any given time, right? So the highs are really high and the lows are really low. And so you need to kind of understand that her actual feelings are somewhere in the middle. So, but when she says, I need ice cream right now, you just don't get the ice cream. (laughs) Well, I think this, we're talking a little bit more in terms of like body changes, right? And that was kind of where the listener was asking about body changes. Because, you know, I've had a lot of, Personally, I've had a lot of body image struggles. So there is those emotions. And so I think one of the things that I know that you did to help me a lot was just being there and listening and just, and like you said, kind of just being that neutral, not commenting and not in a negative way. Like it wasn't that you weren't responding to me, but it was like you just, you got the ice cream for me. You encouraged me. You're really good at, and this annoys the heck out of me sometimes, to be perfectly honest, and you know this, but sometimes you just won't say anything at all, and it annoys me because I want a response from you, but it's actually probably best that, you know, when I was having days where I'm like, I'm so huge, you're just kind of, you're just neutral, and you weren't ignoring me, but you, I don't remember you saying anything particularly... Like, oh my gosh, this was life-changing. You encouraged me so much because there's no way that you could have encouraged me in the way that I needed because you were not going through it. So I think just you being there and encouraging me, like, well, what can I do to help? Then that's your big line is, well, what can I, what can I do to help? How can I help you? And then I would tell you. I would ask you specific questions and you would answer them honestly, being honest and not pretending, you know, I think that was really helpful. So two things you need to understand about, I would say, I'm not every significant other, but I would say most significant others, at least the ones that I've talked to going through this process, is that, number one, 
you as the pregnant half are way harder on yourself than we are on you. Mm -hmm. You are judging yourselves and the way you look and the way you feel much harsher than we are. Most of us are looking at you and we still think you are just as beautiful the whole time. Um, Even when you're, you know, 38 weeks pregnant, we still think you're beautiful. I've never been 38 weeks pregnant. Yes, very briefly. Oh, yeah, I just hit 38 (laughs) weeks with Ren. (laughs) Um, And then a second point and i forgot it but yeah um, i'm sorry yeah just you are going to judge yourself much much harsher than we are oh and the other thing is if we do get if you do press us for an answer the reality is most of the time we're going to answer fairly matter-of-factly mm-hmm. like are you bigger yes of course you're bigger like <laughs> it's not it's not an, it's you. not an indictment on you it's not you're doing terrible things to your body. It's just as a matter of fact. Yes. Are your feet getting bigger? Yes. Like, is that what, that's the answer. (laughs) So if you are not prepared for that answer, then you, yeah. It's so funny (laughs) that you say that. That's why most of us don't like, or not most of us. That's why I don't try to answer those questions because it's not that you don't want to hear the answer. It's that, you're in an emotionally vulnerable place to that answer. Mm-hmm. So if it's not exactly what you want to hear, even though you know that the answer you want to hear is not factual. And so that's a no-win situation. So you need to understand that most of the time when you're answering, it's just that, is this answer factual or not? Yeah, it's funny. I mean, for us, you are very encouraging. Just in life in general, you're pretty encouraging. You are also very honest and matter of fact. And that's that's also very much your personality, I think. And we're actually going to talk about that in a minute. But it's definitely your personality. And so I think your personality, you're generalizing a little bit only because I don't know if that's everyone's personality. But it was helpful for me. I think it depends on how like what are you what are you really wanting are you wanting that and and having that conversation with your partner like what are my expectations you know I want to know honestly because for me I did want to know honestly are my feet getting bigger because especially with my first pregnancy I was really worried I had high blood pressure and I was really worried about um preeclampsia and I was like oh my gosh are my feet getting bigger and you're like a little bit And it wasn't, you know, where I was just, I wasn't fishing for compliments or fishing for, you know, you to tell me there was something wrong. It was mostly like, I really, I needed to know. And I'm really thankful that you gave me those honest answers. But also, if you're not prepared for the honest answers, I do, yeah, I think having, just being open in your conversation with your partner about what is helpful for you, because everyone's different. I think what was encouraging was that, you were like you still you know you were very attracted to me still even though I was pregnant and I felt like I was a whale like many pregnant women do and I don't know if I had so many specific body image issues when I was pregnant only because I knew that it was part of the process I for 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 being someone who struggled with her body image for so many years in so many different capacities knowing that 
this is my body's job. My body's job is to gain weight and to support this baby. And it almost got to the point where it was really difficult in the end with my pregnancy with Sage, my first pregnancy, because I needed to gain extra weight because she wasn't gaining weight. And so I almost became obsessed with gaining weight. And that was a little bit difficult going, oh my gosh, I'm getting bigger, but it's for a purpose. And and that was kind of hard. I think there were so many other health concerns that you were worried about that it didn't hit the radar. Mm-hmm. There was like one or two times you're like, ah, oh, you know, I don't like the way I look. But most of the time it was like, how's my blood pressure? How are my, are my feet swollen? Mm-hmm. You know, am I gaining enough? Am I gaining too much? Is it, but it was always for health concerns, mm-hmm. which isn't super helpful either like it's good to be worried about it but it was different sets of concerns yeah I think your mindset shifts a lot when you're pregnant and I think your for me my mindset went immediately to I'm a mama my job is to protect this baby and to take care of this baby and yes the body changes especially the second time around we're they were hard, especially because they were so far apart. My pregnancies were th- three years apart, which isn't that long. But for some people, you know, if their kids are two years apart, that's a lot closer together. It was a few years. And I had also spent some time competing in a fitness competition and being very meticulous about my body. So the second time around was definitely harder than the first time, especially because I didn't have those same health concerns. And so it was a lot more focused on like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do if my body doesn't go back? Because at that point, I had already been on my intuitive eating journey, and at least in the early stages, and I had committed to listening to my body and not going on any crazy plans or protocols or anything like that after pregnancy. So I was going through it going, okay, I'm going to try and stay as calm as I can be. And I think just being, you just being encouraging and reminding me that you were still attracted to me during pregnancy, I think that's actually really helpful. I I know it's, because there were definitely times I remember like being convinced that there's no way he's attracted to me, like, <laughs> because I had this big belly and you still showing me that. And I think just being there with me throughout it as that kind of neutral yeah, you know, it's almost like when we talk about intuitive eating and we talk about the like the food police voices in your head being that like neutral observer where you're there to answer the questions and to be the observer if necessary, but you're also not pushing your, you know, agendas or opinions on me. You weren't like, man, it looks like you gained some extra weight this week. You were never like that. And that was really helpful and encouraging. And I don't know how I would deal if you had done that. (laughs) So I'm thankful. All right. So I think that was it. I'm not sure if we gave any like specific advice in terms of that. Um, I think that was just our own kind of personal experience and my best advice for, I mean, this is something we can go into a lot more in the future, I'm sure, but I think my best advice for the couple who are working through their first pregnancy or pregnancy after body image issues is just to have that conversation about what you need in terms of support. And then as you go through it, being really willing to adjust (laughs) as needed if that's not the type of support you need. Because like Nick said, your hormones are raging and things can change week to week. And 
what you think is going to be encouraging to you before pregnancy might not be encouraging during pregnancy. You might need something different. There might be other concerns that come up. It might not be an issue for you at all. And so just um, leaving that conversation open with the communication is everything. But I, I do think that that is the reason why you've been such a good support for me in terms of intuitive eating and body image and all that is just that we have in all the areas of our relationship, we haven't been good at communicating. This is one area where we've been very good at communicating it. So there's one last question, and this one's really fun, and you're going to roll your eyes at me across the table, but I'm very excited to answer it. So it says, I know you're into the Enneagram. What are your Enneagram types? Have you seen this impact your marriage? <laughs> uh, yeah. So um, I am a nine. Fairly certain I'm a nine. You're definitely a nine. And Kristen, you are a one or a three, but we're fairly certain it's a one. I'm a one. I go back and forth sometimes thinking that I'm a three because I am very ambitious, but I'm not so much image conscious as I am um, hard on myself, hence a lot of the struggles that I've had in the past with my own self-image and self-worth. And I'm definitely a perfectionist. And I like things to be right. And this is both in, I'm really, really big on helping people. And I want things to be right in the world and just in the world. But it also, it also, you know, impacts our relationship with things at home. Like I like things done a certain way. And so even though we've been married for almost 10 years now, we've been together for 12 almost, um, it's definitely been something that's hard to integrate my life with someone else because I do like things to be done a certain way. I am very much a perfectionist and having to let some things go in our relationship <laughs> in order to to make it work and to make it thrive has definitely been big. Um, and learning about the Enneagram. So I have a whole episode with Jess Gartner on the Enneagram and I'm not sure what the episode is off the top of my head but I will definitely link that one in the show notes because it's fascinating if you don't know what the Enneagram is it's a it's like a personality type test but it's a little bit more than just doesn't just tell you about your personality it tells you about kind of your core wants and desires and needs in this world and it's really fascinating and it's actually it's impacted our marriage in a lot of ways learning about it because I think it's helped us for me at least get to know a little bit more why you do things the way you do things or why you think the way you think in some ways and understand you a little bit better. I don't know what you would say. Yeah, I mean, when you look on any of the classic Enneagram charts, nines and ones are not the most compatible combination. <laughs> um, doesn't mean it can't work. Um, but yeah, it means that there we have to work at it and understanding that has made that a little easier for sure um i mean myself i kind of fit that kind of classic nine persona where on the one hand i want everything to just work out and be easy and avoid the conflict and then i also kind of struggle with almost identity because i kind of identify with each of the different types in some way i can see everyone's point of view so it's very easy for me to kind of get myself into arguments just for the sake of having an argument because i can play devil's advocate very easily because i'm um 
But not an argument in like a in a mean way because no, just in a kind of a like a debate type. Yeah, of way. In like a debating type of way. Like I was taught from a young age how to see different points of view and how to debate, which is definitely a positive thing. But it becomes a negative thing when you do it just for funsies, when your partner is trying to have a serious conversation with you. Um, and you don't realize that you're doing it just for funsies. Um, and it's like, I don't even really want that for dinner on Tuesday. Why am I advocating for that? <laughs> like, Yeah, you see every side to something, which can be really positive, but it can also be really hard. Decisions are really hard for you. Yeah. Decisions are also hard for me because I want to make the right decision. So it's like, what are we going to have for dinner tonight? And I mean, this is why I meal plan because it would be really hard. It's hard on date night to decide what we're going to have for dinner. One of us just needs to suck it up and make a decision. Um, but I mean, there are definitely some things that have that have been really good about being nines and ones. And one of those things I think is that we are both big on Nick is the peacekeeper. And I like, you know, I really appreciate helping people. And that's always been my prerogative. That's always been what no matter, I guess, the different iterations of my business and what I thought that I wanted in life. It's always been geared towards kind of helping people. And I think we definitely meet in the middle when it comes to that with having some goals and dreams to help people to serve others. But I also think that has come with a detriment sometimes or the detriment to our marriage sometimes because we will serve other people at the expense of each other. So I think it's been really positive and learning about each other and learning how each other reacts to different situations how we think and being able to come together in that way and understanding each other but it's also been going okay well we can see each other we're both trying to help people a lot but we're not helping ourselves in our marriage so having to work through that has also been hard but good because it is very revealing yeah absolutely I think honestly the the Enneagram and the love languages have done the most they've had the most positive impact on our relationship in my opinion when it comes to learning about each other yeah I would say so I mean it's funny that we don't align with each other on any of them no, we are opposites. Of, uh... We are fully opposites. I think you're a are, do we decide you're like a nine are you a nine wing one or a nine wing eight? What's the eight? I don't I don't remember. The eight is the one I believe that likes to debate and debating. likes to I think yeah. Who has a very strong opinion. I'm not I think sure. The danger of a nine if you're a nine is to struggle to see below the surface level problem. Um, because you want to be the peacekeeper and you want to just keep everything peaceful and solve the problem. So you as a one, and as a very passionate one, um, tend to, I mean, we're watching the Rise conference the other day and Rachel's going in about what her greater why is for doing something. And basically the concept of the greater why is I need to do this thing. Well, why do you need to do that? so that it triggers this and then well why does that matter and then you keep going asking why 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 until you get to the real heart of the issue and so you might be having trouble with something for 
completely doesn't really unrelated reasons for it. Like you're stressed out because the kids are screaming and I think it's because the kids are fighting over the toy, but it really comes down to you haven't, you're way behind on your work and you need, you're feeling stressed out because you haven't gotten anything and that means that you're not accomplishing anything and that you're just a failure in your own mind. I'm thinking, oh, well, if I just keep the kids quiet, that'll solve everything. I'm like, no, that doesn't solve everything. <laughs> it solves nothing. Well, it solves one thing, but it doesn't get to the real root of it. And so understanding that that's how I think, and I'm just trying to solve those surface problems that can force me to kind of think deeper. And okay, well, so the kids are screaming, but why is she reacting to this level for a normal witching hour argument between the girls? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good and actually very, very accurate for me. (laughs) (laughs) And for you, I think sometimes, you know, recognizing your need for me to just make the decision because it stresses you out more to make some decisions sometimes and just kind of give you grace in that, okay, sometimes I just need to make the decision for you and not for you. Like, you know, if it's a big decision, we're going to have that conversation together, but like, don't even worry you with the decision about dinner because you're going to be fine with it. You just want everyone to be happy, but you would be feel much better if you got the extra couple of minutes to work and or relax or whatever. So I don't know if that's Enneagram specific. But... Or accept my decision when I make one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like if you... If you're married to a nine and you ask them what you what they want for dinner and they actually give you an answer, they're like, I would really like pizza. Then <laughs> turning around going, Yeah, I don't really want pizza. Like that doesn't make any future requests for what they want to do or eat any easier. I'm just gonna throw that out there. So I hope you guys enjoyed our uh, <laughs> personal Enneagram marriage coaching session. <laughs> In which neither of us are the Enneagram expert, and we decide to. <laughs> oh, maybe we should have Jess come on and I have a conversation with us about what you need if you're a four. That's true. Do you even know what type the four is? No, me either. No idea. Okay, it's not me. <laughs> I'm sure I identify with it partially. I'm sure you do. All right, so all that being said, neither of us are Enneagram experts, but that's where we're at. We still have a lot of growing and learning to do for sure in that and and in our relationship for sure. I mean, we've been married for 10 years, but 10 years is a blip in time and a lifetime, right? So, but it's definitely been helpful. It's definitely had an impact on our marriage knowing that and learning about each other, but we're always learning and we're always growing. All right, honey, do you have any last thoughts? thoughts i think that's it that's my last question so thank you so much for coming on and doing another q a with me next time i have you on we're going to talk about my birth stories that'll be fun yay (laughs) oh come on you were there and they were both very exciting yes they were very exciting (laughs) that is a way to put it (laughs) all right any last thoughts stay safe 
Thank you, friends, so much for listening to this bonus episode of the Healthy Balance Mama podcast. I hope you appreciated our kind of little banter back and forth and our honest answers to some of these questions. Some of these were kind of tough and perhaps somewhat controversial subjects, and um, I think it was good to get on and to share this together. So thanks for coming on again. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Healthy Balance Mama podcast. If you loved it, would you take a screenshot and share it with a friend over on Instagram and tag me in it? It helps me so much to know what you love and are taking away from each episode. If you really loved it, would you hop over to iTunes and give me a star rating and review? Every rating and review helps this podcast be seen and heard by more women who need to hear the message of balance and wellness without deprivation. It's the best free gift you could give me. And as a reminder, the information and opinions on this podcast are meant for education and inspiration only and are not to be taken as medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Please consult with a trusted practitioner before making any changes. Have a beautiful day, friend, and I'll see you in the next episode.